Hi, welcome back to Prey vs. Predator. My name is Amber, and I am here with my two colleagues, PJ and Jill. Welcome back, and we're just going to start right in. What are our stories and what brought us to this point? And for you as an audience to get to know us, because sometimes we can just be voices. So we want you to know who we are and to paint a picture for our experience of dealing with or being in relationship with a predator. And for you to know as an audience, hey, that sounds like my story. And what tools can I learn from their stories that will help my situation? So, Jill. This is big stuff I I was saying to my colleagues, I wonder what, what I'm going to say, you know, like... That's I've, exciting. I, I, yeah, I've written notes, but when I open my mouth, um, what's going to come out? Who knows? Who knows? So, uh, I guess just a little bit about myself. I, You know that I'm a hospital supervisor. You know that I'm a music teacher. You know I have five kids. I was a preacher's kid growing up, and I'm also an only child. And um, being an only child, there's a lot of pressure to be quite special because you're it right there's there's not another sibling that that you know the parents can look to it, it's you and also when you're a preacher's kid everyone looks at you life life is in a fishbowl and it was really impressed on me that my dad needed to be kept happy all the time oh wow so when you're in a church setting, any sort of a faith community, when there are politics and people leave the church, that was extremely hurtful for my dad. That loss of relationship, the church getting smaller instead of the church growing. And through that, I guess I adopted the stance of I needed to keep the man in my life from getting discouraged, from ever uh, feeling sad and certainly the greatest thing for me to fear is a loss of relationship. So when I met my my first husband, my my first partner, my mom had sort of groomed me that the greatest sense of purpose that I could ever experience would be to be acceptable in the eyes of a man. And mm. and my parents sort of gave me the impression that I was a bit of a pariah. Like I remember when I graduated from high school, my dad went up to my to my prom date and he he shook his hand and he's like, thank you for taking my daughter to graduation. Almost like this must be such a burden for you. Thank you for lowering yourself. And it's probably not what he meant, but it's it's how it was perceived. Anyway, when I met my uh, first partner, we connected right away. He was tons of fun. I was tons of fun. He was a big extrovert. I was a big extrovert. Um, we we had a great time together um, in a lot of ways. We, um, we were able to connect on a relational level, but not necessarily an emotional level. And I think mm-hmm. it's important to sort of to to differentiate and we we would uh, go out we would break up we would go out we would get engaged we would break up we would go out and so we were very very on again off again and for eight years for eight years yeah and 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 the off again I, I was 
I, I would break up with him every time because everyone around me was saying to me, this guy is not good for you. But I really held to the idea that, you know what, all this guy needs is the love of a good woman. And once he is loved well by me, the sky is the limit. I saw what we could be. I saw that we could be this amazing power couple. I thought that we could tell amazing stories because he had so much to offer. I had so much to offer. So finally, uh, we did get married. And, and um, in, in our first podcast, I told a little story about our honeymoon. We had been on our honeymoon for, for three days. And um, he decided that he was bored and, and that he wanted to come to to go back home so we could open all of our, our wedding gifts. And, and and really what that was, he was saying to me, you know what, you're not that fun now that I'm married to you. And now that all the excitement is over, you're just not that fun. And um, that really hurt. Like it really hurt. I remember having being in the shower and just crying, crying. I remember I was using Dove body wash. Why do I remember it was Dove original body wash? That was the smell. And I was just so sad. Anyway, um, I, I really, well, he was my husband. I, I so wanted to connect with him on an emotional level. Um, I wanted to attach to him and, and, uh, he would just become so angry with me. And, and he would say, you used to be so much fun before we got married. So fun was a big thing. So fun, for... fun was, a, was a big thing. But for me to have needs, like emotional needs, material so needs, financial needs, um, it, it was just, it was way too much. It, that yeah. was not something that, that he was interested in fulfilling at all. Um, you know what? He could be kind when he wanted to be kind or mm -hmm. when he wanted something. He absolutely could be kind. But really, our relationship, married 15 years, was really fueled by I was terrified that I was that he was going to leave me because I mm. knew right away, right away from the beginning from our honeymoon, mm -hmm. he wanted to leave three days in. Well, and, and this uh, if we could take a little moment to really reflect on what you just said. Um, and we had talked about this in our first podcast when you shared a little snippet of that story, but I want to reiterate it here. One of the techniques that the predator uses is mm. to threaten the threaten either directly or indirectly, in this case, indirectly, um, the relationship. And I think this is part of how the predator uses or gains power. Yeah, he had all the power for sure. Because if if you're in love or you want to love or even if you want to be loving um, and the other person says, well, you're boring, you're not as fun as you used to be. Mm -hmm. uh, you probably didn't change uh, your fun level. But what might have changed is your feeling safe or so can you... Just tell us a little bit about that. Do you think that you were less fun or do you think it was a technique he used? And if you do think you're less fun, why? I, I think that what it was, was I was really trying to attach to him yeah. on an emotional level. My parents had, I think, a reasonably healthy marriage and uh, they needed each other. Mm. I was not able to need him. He could need me for things 
but I could not need him for things. So he even went so far as he um, he changed bank accounts and he had all of his money put into his bank account, which he would not share with me so Ooh. that if I wanted to buy food for the family and if I wanted to buy clothes for the family, if I ever wanted to get my hair done, well, that money would have to come from somewhere, but it wouldn't be coming from him. Oh, so so even the need that you had to feed your family right. would not be something that would be given. Right. So, so that's a huge power differential. Oh, it was a huge power differential. Yeah. So you said in connecting that he did not, like you did not connect on an emotional level until you were married. Well, right. I, I would say we looked very good. Like if you looked at us like, oh yeah, you guys looked like you would be a good couple. We, we are both super type A, super driven, super mm -hmm. outgoing. And, and so you would see us as, as um, a couple that had a lot of good stuff going for them. But unfortunately we weren't able to translate that into an intimate relationship. So here's a question is what was in you that you did not require that of him when you were dating? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think I, I think I was brought up that um, that sort of intimacy didn't happen until mm -hmm. after you were married. Oh, interesting. And, and so I, I think, you know, I knew couples that didn't even kiss before they had they, they were married. Like, you know, it was it, it was a different time. And, and so you know, I read stories about about um, arranged marriages where the two partners, they didn't even they didn't know each other at all before they got mm -hmm. married. So for me, I, I was happy to just be his friend mm -hmm. until we were married. Oh, and then, yeah. And then when, when I when I expressed needs for help, needs for support, needs for a partnership, that was unfortunately not an option. At what point? Jill, did you realize that there was a problem? Did you realize right away? Did it take a while? Well, I guess hindsight is twenty twenty. Like, so, okay, I came in to the relationship being completely afraid of a loss of relationship. Mm -hmm. And right from the get-go, right from our honeymoon, he tried to leave. Like, mm. this is not fun. Uh, after, uh, after year five of our marriage, he threatened to leave consistently. Mm. And the more he threatened to leave, the more frightened I became, the more I tried to please him, like, over the yeah. top. If if only I could keep him happy, then he would stay. I'm just if curious only. about that, wanting to leave. Because I know, like, in my family, my mom with my father would threaten that consistently. Mm. And I'm just wondering if that's maybe one of the little markers. I think... Part of how the dynamic, the power dynamic gets shifted in a very nuanced way is when one of the partners wants the relationship a little bit less than the other. Yeah. Um, and it could be a lot less mm. or when they're dissatisfied or they're not happy. Mm -hmm. um, and it's and you have to have that combination of um, the person withdrawing and then the other person taking responsibility and believing um, that they can fix it. Well, that, that, that they could make this person happy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, if you're boring, well, you might learn to be more exciting. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. If you were more fun, you probably could learn to be fun again. Yeah. So so it's a, I think it's a little bit of a um, carrot in front of the horse um, technique. Yeah. 
Um, and I, I call it a technique because I think this is very consistent. So, so Amber, I think you're pointing out something that's quite consistent with this. It just it rang a bell for me because I know I heard that consistently mm-hmm. with my between my mom and my dad. Yeah, that's so you interesting. Know, hey. I, I'm going to leave. I want to leave. I'm going to leave. And I'd be like, well, why aren't you? Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. If- or, or, or my first partner would try to leave and then and then I would go into very deep prayer counseling or like I was absolutely so so scared that he would leave so that that's another question i had for you yeah. is, is what sort of things did you try right so to make it better so he he would tell me that i wasn't godly enough i i you know spiritually i i was not i was not as attractive spiritually as i might be if i was cl- perhaps closer to god so i just just you know dove into to bible reading bible study prayer groups um so he could witness you doing that or is it that you would be a different person for him i'm not sure Mm. and i'm not sure that i'm not sure that that he knew yeah um but that would be something that he could use to tell me that i wasn't enough and did he do those things Ah, uh, from time to time, yeah. I'm always curious about yeah, that. No, from time to time, I, I, he he went in waves. So, I, you know, I went so far as to became. Uh, I was a pastor for many years, so not only did I immerse myself. Well, I, I mean, I was already a preacher's kid, so I grew up in faith communities. I I grew up knowing knowing God, um. But I went so far as becoming a pastor to attempt to please him, hmm. to be the person to be enough. That, to be enough, yeah. So spirituality was really his thing. Well, for for a, for a time, okay, yeah, for a okay. time. Okay, because you know how people like do a lot of different things. It could be like uh, my partner's really into sports, so I'm gonna learn to play hockey, you know, or I'm gonna work out really crazy, or I'm gonna get plastic surgery, or. Right. Whatever to please your partner. So right. it's just, it's interesting because this is a dynamic. I don't know if it's, it's probably, it's out there, obviously, but it's an interesting dynamic in the sense of spirituality as a carrot or that you're not enough or that I, uh, or that I was boring. Yeah. Or, or that, that, yeah. Or that, you know what, marriage, yeah. the, this, this isn't what I thought. Like he just, he, he, he didn't have the capability. I guess he was not able to give and receive love, or maybe he could receive love, mm-hmm. but not able to give it as well. So there, there was a, a ton of things that you did to get make things better yeah. and took responsibility for, for sure. and yeah. sounds oh, sound like absolutely. really kind of absolutely worked really, really hard. I worked really, really hard. Um, did things ever get better? You know what? There would be seasons. Okay. Yeah, there there would be good seasons, um, and and um, I would just exhale. Oh, things are good now. Mm. Good, things are good now. But but I knew, you know, in a, in a few years um, or a few months, actually, in a few months, the pattern would would repeat itself. But interestingly, like eventually, he did leave, and it was it was it was awful. Yet it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me because mm. I was free. However, even though he left. I knew that the relationship was not over until I said it was over. Like, even oh. though he had the perceived power at the end, 
or all, all through our marriage, I knew that he would try to come back because mm. that was the pattern. Mm. Oh, we're not done. Oh, we're not done. Oh, we're not done. And yeah, probably a good year and a half a- after, maybe even two years after he left, we had we were having coffee together and he said, so his, his words were, are we done? Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. We're done. So when you said things improved and then things got bad, what does that, what did it look like? Like, were there certain things that he would do when things were good and when things, certain things he would do when things were bad? Just signs or you're like, oh, well, no, that again. Well, he would be unfaithful to me when things were bad. Oh, well, that's a big sign. <laughs> he would okay. be faithful to me when things were good. Oh, wow. And yeah. you knew when he was unfaithful? Yeah, because he, he felt that, that honesty and openness was important to him. So marriage. you just come so, back and say. Yeah, I've been with this person. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, for sure. I don't know and, if that's typical. And, and it just, like, it just ripped me apart. Yeah. Of course. Just ripped me apart. Because I think one of the important things that our listeners need to understand is that there are certain things that you tell yourself. There are certain things that you believe. The stories we tell ourselves. Yes. What were the stories you told yourself that, that helped you or allowed you, might be a better way to phrase it, to stay in the relationship? What were those? Hmm. Well, you know, I think that that denial is can be a wonderful friend. Okay. <laughs> because I, I think if... If people don't, um, I think it was too horrible for me to really realize what was going mm-hmm. on. And I think if I would have actually known how much he was hurting me and the devastation of it all, it would have overwhelmed me. Mm-hmm. But wow. I think that devastate or I think that denial can be a, a great friend. Mm-hmm. So you lived in a sense of denial? Correct. That if, if you know what, I'm just going to pray more. Okay. I, I'm, I'm just going to be kinder. I'm just going to be... Going to be more fun. Going to be more fun. I'm going to have the, more games. Going to be the best mom. Just going to be the best mom. At what point did you know this was abuse? I, I don't know that I... I, I, I think it, it was much later. Mm. My, um, a, after he had left, I didn't have the language that it was abuse. Um, there was, he had been, he had moved out of the house for about a year and, and he started coming back um, unannounced and he would start coming over every night to have supper with the kids. And, and, you know, he had his nights, he was supposed to be here at the house Mondays and Thursday nights, you know, for supper with the kids. But, but it, it happened that he was over Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday, mm. Thursday. And, and, you know, he said, you know what, my name is on the mortgage to this house. I have every right to be here. So we, did you invite him in? No, oh, no, he just okay. walked in. So I, I think the turning point for me was one day I just had enough and I called the police. Oh, wow. And that was extremely scary for mm-hmm. my kids mm-hmm. because the police made him leave, you know, he told he told my kids that the police were gonna you know throw him in jail if he came back again. Like it was very, it was extremely scary for my kids, and and I knew it would be, mm-hmm. and and that was, but I knew I had to do it, mm-hmm. and I had to do it for me. Mm-hmm. So he would come consistently, just yes. walk in the door, yes. and say, "This is my house," yes. and it's not unlike people that I know. <laughs> 
situations. But yes, so come into the house and say, I'm spending the night with you here with the family. Yeah, mm-hmm, sure. Wow. Yeah. And of course, you can't say anything because well, you got the kids I, I did, around. And he, and oh, he okay. said, well, no, my name is on the mortgage. I have every right to be here. Wow. And you weren't technically divorced at this time. No. You know, I think, I think it's worth pointing out, that, uh, if we can pause it in this moment as well, that part of the part of the pattern of the predator is that what you want and what you need and your voice is of no matter. That's no, right. It's of no value. That's right. So that I'm frightened that you're in my home, that mm-hmm. I'm them asking you to leave, mm-hmm. that that this is not comfortable for me or our children is really, it sounds like of of absolutely no value. Right. So that it becomes about a legality whose name is on the mortgage. Yeah. And so in, in essence, uh, I just wanted to make sure that, that our listeners understand in that moment, um, what he's really saying is what you want, what you need, what your value is, is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. What is important here is my voice, my need, my interests. That is the only thing we're talking about. And then he uses the illegal point mm-hmm. to back him up mm-hmm. as if as if somehow his name on the mortgage is the point mm-hmm. and um and i think that's really valuable because this is this kind of transpires repeatedly in a relationship yeah. like this yeah what you want what you need is of no matter that's right yeah and and i will shut you down and shut you up and withdraw from you punish you that's right um take your voice until you have no needs until you, yeah. And, and when I, you tell him to get out, I'm sure he's like, well, what? what's the problem? Yeah. I'm here with the kids. Yeah. I'm being a good mm-hmm. dad. And so now we're fighting about you having needs. Yeah. And what healthy would look like, what respectful would look like, what a true partnership would look like would be, I hear you. Mm-hmm. I will not be where you're not comfortable. Um, even if I wanted to be here, I'm mm-hmm. not able to be here because... A healthy person, a loving person, even in a divorce situation or separation situation, would respect the boundaries of the partner um, and leave at that point at the point that they recognize. So, so I just want to point that out because I think it's a really foundational. Yeah, I think moment. that's really. I think that's really good insight. Did it ever frighten you that he would let himself in? Was there that element? I don't know in your relationship, maybe not, but. Well- because it seems like that would be frightening on yeah, some level. Yeah, for sure, but it didn't. Did you put a key in or just like... No, you just walk in. Just walk in. Because yeah. that is frightening, especially if yeah, you're in... Yeah, it but didn't, it didn't matter what yeah, I felt. No. Like, what I felt was of no consequence. Mm-hmm. What, um, you you know, you're saying how much peddling you were doing yeah. and how much, you know, you're just earning your key yeah. and trying to get it right and trying to make it work and all that kind of stuff. Um what made it difficult for you to leave? What made it difficult for the relationship to end? What What do you think were some of the key elements that held you into a relationship that wasn't, I'm going to guess, wasn't life-giving? Right, sure. It was not life-giving at all. What held you in? Um, I didn't want my kids to be products of divorce. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. Um, what did you believe about that? That my kids would be devastated and traumatized, and they were. Like, like, let's just yeah. be real. It's yeah. not like this didn't happen. Guess no. what? My worst fears happened. Mm-hmm. My kids were devastated. Mm-hmm. My kids were traumatized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people say, oh, you know, our deepest, darkest fears, they're not going to happen. But actually, sometimes they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes they do. 
So, so trauma to your kids held you in. Yep. Um, what else? Well, definitely the faith system that we were a part of. Well, I was a pastor. Pastors do not yeah. get divorced. Right. Like, what a shame! Like, am I going to have to resign? Right now. So now, I'm a single mom, and am I going to be unemployed? And that didn't happen, by the way. The church was really good to me. Did you ever struggle with people believing that? Or understanding why you got divorced, like you must have done something wrong, or like sometimes with this type of abuse too, people go they don't see the bruise, you know, they don't see you know the broken arm. They, yeah. it's one of those things. It's no, like it's. I, I think that people saw my my first spouse much more clearly than I saw. Oh, okay. Him and and honestly, after after he left, I had I've only had support. That's amazing. Yeah, it really, yeah. It really has been amazing. Uh, how long? How long do you think it took you between between um, sort of realizing that there was a problem mm-hmm. and and trying all these different things? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the prayer and yeah. and being a pastor yeah. and and that. T- uh, how long did it take you between kind of that realization and and by the time you were able to get out? Well, I think. Like, I never got out. He okay. left. Okay. But by him leaving, it, it was just the most wonderful thing. Because, that all was that, a good thing. because all that fear was gone. Wow. Yeah, all that fear was gone. Um, I remember uh, during that, that point, um, my, like, I held on really tight to this marriage. Like, really, mm-hmm. really, really, really tight to this marriage. Something that happened which was just so significant was I was talking to my counselor, and she said to me, your husband has chosen to live a life which does not include you. Mm. And she wrote it in an email so I could see the words written mm. out. And being able to actually see he has chosen to live a life which does not include you. And how did that hit you? Okay. That's it. Mm. Oh. That's it. Black and white. Black and white. And and that's what I needed. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're that type of person, too. You're a little bit more black and white, you know? Some people might see that and go, well, no, he doesn't know what he wants, and da-da-da-da, if I do this, but you've had enough. Done. 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 What were what were some of the things that uh, he left? You, mm-hmm. The relationship started to obviously um, become something different. Yeah. What were some of the challenges that you faced during the time that you had when the relationship when you got out essentially when when he had got out of the relationship? Uh-huh, yeah. Um, but I knew that he'd come back. Right. Right. <laughs> what were some of those challenges that you faced? During that time, what were some of the things that were hard? Uh, like relationally or financially? All, or of all of it. There were financial challenges. You know, mm-hmm. we did lose our house. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a story for another podcast that was devastating for us financially. Um, divorce is, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't not. Yeah. There are a few people that get out of divorce unscathed financially yeah. for sure. Um, what was hard was, again, what I've talked about, my kids' devastation, mm. my kids' trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the biggest challenge. Yeah, that loss of a dream, right? Right, yes. How yeah. long ago was this again? Uh, it's been over a decade. 
Okay, so there's enough distance. Do for a time, did the kids think that there was going to be any reconciliation? Yeah, I, I, I yeah. think so. You know, even though I have been remarried for a, a while now, my, um, my, my first husband, he, he has a new partner now, and, and I think when he, just in the last few months, his bringing on a new partner. I think really sealed the deal for a couple of my kids. Took ten years, took, but yeah, a new, yeah, <laughs> a new partner. But yeah, 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 for sure. What would you tell yourself as a young woman dating or seeing this person that you wish somebody had said to you? Oh, the thing is, I don't know that I would have listened because I honestly <laughs> felt like all I needed, all he needed, was the love of a good woman. Like I could love him into a wonderful marriage so were you pursuing him or uh we were just really good friends okay we were just really good friends and and um people thought that he perhaps didn't have the best intentions but why why did they think that um You'd have to ask them. Maybe yeah, they, yeah, they, they yeah, can yeah. pick up on things that perhaps okay. I, I couldn't pick pick up on. Or I just, I really thought that that any, uh, I, I just really thought all he needed was love. Yeah. yeah. What advice would you give somebody? I know some of the people that are listening now might be in similar situations. Um, they might have people they love in a similar situation. Um, what advice would you give people who are sort of in that process right now where they find themselves pedaling really hard? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not getting any better. Yeah. Worried They're, about leaving for the kids. Yeah. yeah. Having a kids, spiritual connection. Yeah. Kids devastation. Yeah. Social devastation. Yeah. Financial devastation. Yeah. What advice, yeah. what would you say to them? So like their worst fears could come true. So like, let's just be realistic here. Okay. Um, it might, you might lose a lot. Yeah, you might. Rip off the bandaid. It might hurt. Yeah. Yeah. It's it. And you know what? You can't go around it. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. You have to go through it and you have to do the work. No one else, no one else can do the work, but you, no one else can just pray a prayer and have things magically fall into place. You've got to do the work, and it's hard. Um, I, but I'd also like to say that there's life after death. Mm-hmm. There is good, good life after death. Mm-hmm. But without resurrection or without death, there can be no resurrection. And so, if people are in a place where they need to experience resurrection for that to happen, there needs to be death. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I think we often. Um, mm-hmm just do everything that we can not to allow death yeah. of a relationship yeah. to happen. Just hold on. But without that death, there can be no rebirth. Tell, mm. us, tell us a little bit about rebirth. What's your rebirth been like? Oh, man. And thank, <laughs> and thank you for that. Uh, I, I, yeah, I feel I, like I'm I being... feel like an amen. I know, I feel like the, the minister, minister <laughs> just came out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah by the way, I mean, yeah, I still amen. Little, I still love Preach a little it. bit of that. Um, <laughs> Tell us about rebirth. I think rebirth is, is um, being given new dreams. New mm. dreams to dream. Yeah. 
It's not that the old dreams were bad. Right. The old dreams were good. But but I have new dreams. I have new relationships. I have some of my old relationships. My kids are forever changed. Mm-hmm. But they're okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Yeah. yeah. It means the world to us yeah. that you that you share this because I know it's not easy to share these things. And um and I certainly have been witness to you have the whole to, to both the death yeah. and to the struggles, the new life, and to the resurrection, yeah. which, which is such a beautiful place. And and I want everybody to really anybody out there mm-hmm. who is listening, who's in the midst of death or or is scared of it, um, we also want to offer you hope. We also want to offer you an understanding that new dreams, new relationships, new beauty, and new possibilities are out there. And it is a very, very beautiful thing to be resurrected and given new life and new meaning. And I think one more thing, I think that especially if you're in a faith community, mm-hmm. um, your marriage can be seen as an idol or you can make your marriage an idol. Yeah. Your marriage is yeah. not more important than anything else. It's not more important than the people in the marriage. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, that's a really good, okay, say that again. Your marriage is not more important than the people in your in marriage. marriage. Yeah. And there's so much fighting for the marriage. Um, if the marriage is is unhealthy or damaging to me, mm-hmm. then perhaps it it it, it shouldn't be safe. Mm-hmm. Because uh, at at some point we will talk a lot more about the damages that occur when you stay in right. mm. this kind of relationship because there yeah it, it is not to a, you it's not a cost free relationship to be in for any length of yeah. time no and I think the costs add up we, we'll definitely cover that at, at a certain yeah and and definitely I had made my marriage into an idol and I worshipped my marriage yeah 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 it's easy to do yeah. I am curious, this is a really great place to kind of wrap things up, but I'm just curious, what qualities of you as a young woman that were prey-like, that are lovely, that maybe Mm -hmm. your your predator saw and sought out or else didn't value? Right. I I think, um, like, I'm a strong woman. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm very competitive <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm super driven. And certainly uh, he weaponized that and, and made it a laughing stock. So he didn't appreciate that part of you. No, he, he saw it as, as a weakness. Like it, if you were as evolved as I was, you wouldn't need to be competitive. You know, he would never mm. play was games. Was he just a bad loser? I think so. Yeah. He, like he would never <laughs> play games with me because I was too competitive and, and he saw that as, as a great, as a great he had personal to win. weakness, I guess. So. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. But, but definitely I, I think, uh, a lot of the things that make me, me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to celebrate them. What else? Oh, how much I love hockey. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. How Good much, Canadian. Yeah. How much I love shopping. Uh, how much I love my kids. Uh, how much I love to have fun and how much, how much I love to connect. Mm-hmm. Mm, beautiful. It's amazing. And we can testify to all those Amen things. to that. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! <laughs>
<laughs> feeling it. We're all feeling it here. One of the things that I think we want to talk about here, too, is the difference between a healthy relationship yeah. and, and an unhealthy relationship yeah. between two preys in a relationship and a prey and a predator. Um, and you are you're you're remarried. Yep. And did you remarry a predator? Oh. Were you scared? <laughs> were you scared that you would marry a predator? Um, I was not scared that I would marry a predator. I, I just... I know that when you remarry, like when you enter a relationship, there are no guarantees. Mm -hmm. So I made the best decision that I felt I could make at the time. I just, and you know, again, I didn't care so much about me. I just didn't want to traumatize my kids mm -hmm. anymore. Um, but definitely uh, I have married an equal and I know PJ, I, I, I told, I've said to you many times, I get so mad at him now. And 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 it's and what an amazing thing just to be able to get angry at your husband because in my first marriage I, I would never I would never get angry because if I became angry, if I if I expressed my needs, well, I would have been laughed at or or you know, it, it would have been of no consequence. But now um uh, my needs are my needs and they are so important. I, I remember asking you, tell me about what's remarriage. Like, yeah. Tell me about what's beautiful and wonderful and what have you learned or what's great. Yeah. Um, I remember you saying to me, I can, I can fight. Yeah. I can argue. Mm. I never knew. And being an only child, I, I, I did not know how to fight because uh -huh. I had no siblings. Well, I don't think you can fight with a predator. I think we said that oh, in the last, yeah. remember, I, I did we say it in the last podcast? I don't remember, but I, I don't know, like conflict brings intimacy and- Right, oh, that's good. When right it's that, done, when it's right done, when it's done well, conflict brings can intimacy. bring in intimacy. Yeah, yeah. But I think with a predator, you can't fight. Mm. They'll either shut it down or just have to win or I, I don't know. Like there's just, I don't know if fighting, because fighting should, it should bring some sort of, you know, PJ and I have had conflict. Yeah. Not tons because we're both wimpy at it, but you know, uh, we've had some yeah. and it did bring intimacy. Well, I think that when you think about creating, because uh, we're all creative people, there can be no creation without conflict. And and I think if you want to create a beautiful marriage, there must be conflict. There just there has to be. Yeah. yeah. And 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 I think that's that is something that when you have a fight with uh, a non predator, you often do build intimate. Even if that fighting is not great communication, even if it hurts and you hurt yeah. each other's feelings and yeah. you don't do it in the you know the perfect way, um, it usually does bring some resolve and some release of being understood even yeah. if you have to kind of yell about it or, or heard like he he hears me yeah and yeah. and and that is a really powerful experience to be able to be angry or be frustrated or be upset and have your partner respond to you in a way that is um life-giving. Uh, I hear you. I can see how you would be hurt by that. Yeah. And another thing I learned is, is really to trust my gut. Mm. Like my gut is right. 
you know, looking back, you know, some decisions that I made, I made thinking that if I just do this, then he'll be happy and then he'll stay. He won't want to leave. But my gut told me, don't do it. Your intuition. But I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Trust my gut. Trust my gut. Trust my gut. You have to be connected to your gut on some level. You know, you have to be. Mm. I think a lot of times if you've been raised with a predator, it's hard to do that because you're told repeatedly that what you feel isn't accurate. You know, so it's reconnecting to that intuition, that vibe, that gut, that whatever that inner voice is that says this isn't cool, um, that you are being mistreated. Yeah. So it, it is interesting that that is your point, because I think that's true for all of us, yeah. uh, that trusting that I know that this abuse that I'm taking, I shouldn't be taking. Huh. That there is an intuition inside of me that is pretty darn accurate. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. very interesting that you would say that. Yeah, for sure. And and I would throw out there that part of the challenge here is that sometimes trusting your gut means the relationship has to end. And I think that's an interesting point because this is where prey don't look for predators, but predators do look for prey. Mm. And I think something that is fairly consistent, not always, but fairly consistent with prey, um, quite often we tend to be people who are willing to not have conflict, willing to give up, yeah. willing to kind of peacemaker yeah. type people. Yeah. Um, well, if it means giving up everything I want, so you get what you want, that that seems to make easy peace. Going. Um, easy going. Easy going. And I think it does... In healthy relationships, it's, it works and it's wonderful. Um, but in unhealthy relationships, I think the cost of momentary peace um, is abuse, mm. and is an is an continuation of abuse. Um, is a and there's only one person who's going to be abused, mm -hmm. and that is the person trying to make peace. That's right. And oh, so, that's so good. So and so, I think that. The price of peace when you're dealing with prey and predator, the price of peace is is that the the prey will get weaker and more fragile and and will disappear yeah. more and more and more as as we progress, um, and the predator will become stronger and more powerful. So the price of peace is way more expensive mm. than I think prey understand in the moment. Mm. Because we are, we are really trained for the most part to be nice mm, and polite we sure. and kind. And, and like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's a beautiful gift that mm -hmm. you give everybody else who's healthy and, you know, the 80, 90% of other people. And it works and it's functional mm -hmm. for most of your life. Mm -hmm. But when you're dealing with a predator, that is not functional and it is not safe. And so at some point we will talk about um, what's required from prey. Right when dealing in this situation. Uh, most of us know that only after we've been out of the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I definitely, when I was in it, I didn't think I was abused. I just knew that I was living in fear 24 seven. Yeah. Fear of that yes. loss of relationship, mm. fear that he would leave fear that he was going to cheat on me again. Fear, 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 fear. And, and this word, this word that has used a lot, eggshell walking. And then when he did leave, 
It was so great. <laughs> You're like, why didn't I do this anymore? Well, you know, it's not as if it came it at great, great cost. Yeah. yeah. Great cost. We don't underestimate that. Yeah. But it was such a gift to me. And when you say it came at great cost, I want to throw out there that it came at great cost to stay in it too. Yeah. Mm. That's right. I think I think what you're really saying is when you were in it, mm. the cost was mostly you. The cost was all, and you were willing. Is that fair? You you the were, cost was all me. You were willing to pay yeah. that cost, mm-hmm. and when you got out of it, the cost got spread around. That's right. And the beauty of who you are, you didn't want anybody else to suffer. Mm-hmm. But I also think that part mm-hmm. of the beauty of what people who love you got to do in that moment is they got to love you back. Yeah. And, and that, you know, your kids included. Yeah. Because I think True. that if you asked me, if, if my mom was in this situation, would I want her to hold the burden mm. and not get out? Or would I want to take a chunk and have her be free? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you, I would take yeah. <laughs> six chunks. I will yeah. take them um, because, because it doesn't mean it's easy and it doesn't mean it's, it's free. But I think that it spreads the cost out and people who love you and people who, who are invested in, in loving the beauty of who you are, they are willing and able and ready to bear that cost mm. with you and for you. And, they, and, and that is one of the most beautiful gifts. Not you, no, don't just give it to yourself. You give it to the people who love you most. Right. It's called being seen. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and that's scary because sometimes yeah. we don't want to be seen. That's oh, right. Because there, there's, a, there's a great cost to being seen. Well, it's seen vulnerable too. That's right. And you can be rejected. You can experience more pain. Completely. But like I said, uh, like I did not experience that from the people around me. Right. I only experienced good. And I'm sure people did talk, but I didn't, I didn't hear it. I just heard it. Yeah. And and I think that's such a beautiful testament. Yeah. So thank you, Jill, uh-huh. for sharing with us here today. <laughs> you have one more question. I do have one more question. I was thinking about the somatic, which is the body yeah. sense. Yeah. Was there anything somatically that happened for you while you were in the position? Like when the uh, body says no. Yeah, that Good idea question. of like Good those type question. of somatic sensing. Um, you know, there's a lot of things about we have this into intuition, uh, sensory knowing. Um, what's it called in polyvagal neuro neuroception? Yeah. So you have a sensation, you know something's off, and sometimes right. our body is the first thing that kind of tells us right. that. Uh, for me, it it was. Um, I have needs that aren't being met. So um, I would just compensate for those needs by eating because mm-hmm. then those were some needs that, that I can meet this need. I, I can meet this need in this there, moment instantaneously. Yeah. 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 Was every anything else for you? Not no? really. Okay. No, like, no, I, I surprisingly, I managed to stay quite healthy through it all that's great yeah it really is yeah because often our bodies will tell us that's right, right. tell People us something yeah but yeah it's interesting how our body is yeah making us aware of something you know what i think i cried a lot actually mm. i cried every day 
So there was a grief. So there was grief. There was a definitely a grief. Definitely Did you know grief. what that grief was? Oh, yeah. or you just... I knew I was grieving my marriage. Oh, for sure. Oh, okay. I, I grieved my marriage since day one. And and after he left, I stopped crying because I, oh. I had already grieved. Well, even now, I, I still get teary. But the tears are... Could be joy. Doesn't Tears don't mean that. Yeah, but yeah. but our bodies will bad. often, like if I'm doing, like I do a lot of this um, movement work and stuff. And I find, I say that my eyes are leaking. Yeah. But it, it's just because your body is waking up. And sometimes when we're in these situations, our body is shut down. Yeah. And our body is kind of saying, hey, hey, something's off here. Yeah. So, yes. So, I would say I, I cried all the time. If you feel like you are in a relationship where you are regularly having to walk on eggshells, please reach out to us. We are here for you. You can check us out on social media at Prey vs. Predator. The link can be found in the description of our podcast. Thanks, everybody.